Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I am lucky enough to be surrounded by American immigrants. My parents both immigrated to this country. My husband immigrated to this country. Some of my best friends, including former co-host Casper Terkyle, have immigrated to this country. And one of the many things that I've learned from all of these people who have immigrated to the United States is that every immigration story is different. From my friends who are undocumented and have immigrated to this country to people who have married in order to stay in this country, every story is specific. And today we are talking to Prerna, who is going to tell us a very specific story of her struggle to immigrate to the United States. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Prerna. Hey, Vanessa. I have had the honor of going to summer camp with you, going on a pilgrimage with you, but not all of our listeners are as lucky as I am. So can you please tell people just a little bit about yourself? Who are you? How do you spend your days? How many beautiful plants are behind you right now? Sure. My name is Prerna. I live in New York and I work in tech by day, and I write novels and fiction and other things by nights and weekends. I have many plants, and I have a black cat. I didn't know about your cat. How old is your black cat, and what is their name? She is estimated to be between two and four. Her name from the shelter is Cher Bear. Well, Cher, and we call her Cher Bear. I'm still working out a different name for her because I don't like naming cats after real people because I'm worried they'll disappoint me. So you're worried that like Cher is going to do something wrong and then your cat is going to bear the name of something poorly associated with Cher. Exactly. I just feel like Cher isn't going to play you like that. I understand your concern and I wish you the best of luck in finding a new name for Cher Bear. I'm just saying I don't think that there's a sense of urgency. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm getting to the point where I think this name is going to stick because that's all we've been calling her. 
But I'm still yeah. holding out hope that if the perfect name comes to me, then I can change it. Sure. So Prerna, what question is bringing you to our lovely podcast today? So I, for context and background for the listeners, I came to the United States when I was 18. So I've been here for over 10 years now. I came here to college. I grew up in India. I was born in India. And the U.S. has been my home since I became an adult. Uh, my parents moved around in India after I came here. And so I don't feel like I really have a home in India anymore that feels right for me. But the way the immigration system works in the United States means that I don't currently have permanent residency, citizenship. I'm on a work visa that needs to be renewed every three years. And the process of getting a green card for people from certain countries takes much longer than people from other countries because it is a queue-based system. And because there's a lot of people from India trying to come to the United States, we're all put in the same pool, regardless of where we went to school or what we are doing now. And so the result of that is it'll probably take me a few decades. They'll not give you an actual number, but certain nonprofit organizations have estimated about 30 years to get a green card which means that for the next 30 years, I'll have to keep renewing my work visa every three years. Every time I switch jobs, I'm going to have to find an employer who will sponsor my visa. I'm not able to work outside of the person who's sponsoring my visa, so I can't have any kind of side employment. And I can't quit my job because if I do, I'll have to leave the country. If I lose my job, I have 60 days to find another or I'll have to leave the country. And so it kind of feels like I'm living in this state of uncertainty and I'll continue to live in the state of uncertainty for a long time. And even though the U.S. has been home and everything that I've known is here and I've always, I mean, I came to this country because I love this country. I don't know if practically speaking, it makes sense for me to stay here rather than move to a place where I may not know anyone, but where I could have more stability. So my question is, Should I quit the United States? Okay. I am very quickly going to ask you a couple of logistical questions so that we can just demonstrate to our audience that you have thought of all of the options, that you don't need logistical support. Do you have a lawyer who's helping you think about these things? Yes. Great. You are a reader of romance novels. You are a fan fiction writer of romance novels. Get married. Please respond. So funny thing, uh, I'm working on a novel right now that is exactly about this topic. It is a modern adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And my novel, my characters are facing a lot of pressure to get married for a green card because they are stuck in the same visa limbo that I am. Mm -hmm. And yes, practically speaking, that is an option. Mm -hmm. I don't have anyone in my life that I want to marry. There are people who've married for things that are not love. But Mm -hmm. as a reader of romance novels, as a writer of romance novels, there's a part of me that still believes in the sanctity of marriage as something that's based on a foundation of love and companionship and appreciation. And ethically, it feels wrong to just try to marry someone for a green card. Not to mention, it is theoretically illegal to do that. Sure. Sure. Where is this place that would have more stability? I hear that you don't want to go back to India. Is that correct? I would prefer not to go back to India. I do have permanent residency in Canada, 
that it was a lot easier to obtain than the United States. And I was supposed to move there because of a job a few years ago, and then the pandemic was happening. And so I didn't want to move at the time. I have about a year to decide if I want to move to Canada now, and it would give me a lot of stability. I just don't really know a lot of people in Canada really well. And it it would also make it logistically harder for me to come back to the U.S. even to visit because I would need a visa in order to come back to the U.S. to visit. So I felt I would feel like I'm cutting myself off from my entire community here that I've built for the last decade plus. Yeah. Okay. But... I also wonder if part of my fear of moving to Canada is stemming from, I've not known anything other than the United States. And I wonder if, I wonder if like going to the lengths I would go to, to try to stay here is even worth it. Am I just really scared of moving to Canada and I need to get over that fear? Great. So let's talk about that. What would it be like if you were like, screw you, United States. You are too xenophobic and annoying. I love your movies. I love my friends, but ugh, I'm going to Canada. What would your life look like in Canada? I think that in some ways my life would be better because I would just have stability. Yep. I would be able to get a Canadian passport within a few years of moving there, which would give me a lot of freedom of traveling wherever I want to. Right now, if I need to go to Europe, I need to get a visa. I need to go to the UK, I need to get a visa. So it would give me a lot of freedom and mobility. It's in some ways pretty similar to the United States, so it wouldn't be as much of a culture shock as moving back to India, which is honestly one of the reasons I'm not considering that because I've lived away from India for too long. But on the other hand... It would be like trying to restart my life in my 30s. Yeah. I mean, I just turned 30 and it feels like, it feels like every relationship I've built here has just, I've lived in three different cities. I've worked a lot on building and cultivating that community. And it just feels exhausting, like the thought of trying to rebuild that somewhere else. Totally. And and there's also the fear of, not being able to return here. Like I still have friends who, you know, what if I can't come back for a friend's wedding because the visa process takes too long? You know, what if something else happens? It just feels like all of these relationships I've built will be harder to maintain if I go away because it would be very hard to come back. So just an ignorance question. Once you have a Canadian passport in three years, would you be able to come back to the U.S.? as a regular Canadian citizen, back and forth? Yes, likely. Okay. I do want to clarify that the three-year thing is based on the number of days. So if I were to move to Canada and I were to leave Canada at any point, like those days count against Got it. that mm-hmm. three-year mark. So the three usually ends up being closer to five mm-hmm. just because my family lives in India. And I think that's another reason why the freedom of mobility is important because, for example, when COVID happened, A lot of people I know were not able to go back to India, including myself, because the border restrictions mostly only applied to non-U.S. citizens. So if I were to leave to see my family, I wouldn't be able to return anytime soon. And I have friends who got stuck in India as a result of that for like two years. Yep. So am I right that we are now at a place in this conversation where you're like, okay, I've got to pick 
between a couple of bad options. Option one, go back to India and live that life. Option two, go for the U.S. green card situation. Stay close to your friends. Every three years, you get an upgraded visa through your job. You're a highly trained person with a you know great professional life. You will be able to keep doing that, although it is very stressful. Most likely, you'll eventually fall in love with someone and be able to get that green card life. I don't know. Agreed that it's not something to bank on in the next year before you have to move to Canada, but it is statistically possible that that happens and you actually get your green card before 30 years from now. Or you move to Canada and you're like, I'm just going to go for this. It's actually a really nice life. 30 is young. You know, it doesn't feel young now, but you're going to live at least until 80 statistically. And so, you know, 50 years in Canada, that's like a lot of stability and you'll build a community, but you have to leave your community here. Does that sound right as far as your three options? Yes, that sounds right. But Prana, I also just want to check. I listed India as an option and I just want to check that that's true. Is is that a, a viable option? I know it's a legal option. Is it a real option in, that you are considering? It is an option I'm considering, but it is the option that I'm least into because in a weird way, even though I still have family in India and I grew up there, India feels the most distant in my head from the life that I want to live. I think there are a lot of people who've made the choice to return to India and are continuing to do that because the U.S. is so unstable. And I really respect that choice. I have seen how hard it has been for them to reacclimate because you experience a kind of reverse culture shock. And yeah. I don't think, for me, that feels like the direction I want my life to go in the next many totally. years. I'm going to take it off the table for the sake of this conversation. Does that feel fair? More than fair. Does that feel helpful? Yes. To take India off the table. Okay, great. I do want to call out that the option to stay in the United States in some ways feels emotionally the safest to me because it's what I've known for my entire adult life and it's what I'll just continue to be in the same state. But there are other consequences to it, which is if I eventually decide I don't want to work in tech and I actually want to publish my book and I want to continue to write more full time. It's basically impossible to do that on the visa that I'm on. And so I could try to have a very complicated route to make it work, which involves lots of money and lots of lawyers and things. Or if I actually do want to write full time, then I, it makes more sense to leave. And I think that's also where I'm getting hung up on is what if I look back on my life, you know, when I when I am 80 and I'm in the U.S. and I say, man, I wish I had made a different decision. I mean, I, I like working in tech. I don't know if I want to work in tech forever because people change. So complicate this oversimplification for me if it feels oversimplified. You are choosing between the United States where you have a community and a culture that you like and feel comfortable in, but feel unstable, and Canada, where you would get to be a writer and would feel more stable, but potentially more isolated. 
Correct. But I guess the struggle that I'm really having at my core is, in large part, what has made me a writer in the last 10 years and what has fueled my writing is my time in the United States. My mm -hmm. experiences here, my community here, and I love the U.S. Like, you know, I, I grew up with my mother being obsessed with Civil War history and, like, loving Abe Lincoln and... I mean, yes, I had this romanticized version of America, which obviously evolved once I moved here, but I still love this country very, very much. And I worry that going to Canada will afford me more freedom to write, but my identity as a writer feels so linked to my identity as being in the United States. And on an emotional level, it kind of feels like moving to Canada, I don't know if I'm going to be able to write as well or write as much, mm -hmm. because that comes from being in this place and the space that has meant so much to me, even though it doesn't seem like it wants to have me. I get that, right? Like, I'm trying to think, right? Like, there are all of these German authors that came to California, to Southern California, to escape Nazis because they were, you know, more communist-leaning than fascist-leaning. And my understanding is that, like, some of them really still wrote great works, right? Like, Herbert Marcuse moved to San Diego and, like, wrote Eros and Civilization in San Diego. But if I'm remembering my German LA literary history well, like Thomas Mann loved living in the Pacific Palisades, but like never wrote a great work again, right? Like he missed Germany in like too profound a way and was like, well, the Germany that I know doesn't exist anymore. So now I have to live in this beautiful place in the Pacific Palisades, which I love. But, like, I'm not connected to my writing place anymore, right? Like, this is a real thing. But then also, Canada has worked as an inspirational landscape. That is true. There's nothing, I want to cut, there's nothing wrong with Canada. I think Canada is a beautiful country. I've visited Toronto. I love it. It feels to me like I don't have any ties to Canada. And, and that's sure. the core problem is I don't have any family there. I know a couple of people there and they're wonderful, but they're all kind of scattered around the country. And a lot of writing for me comes from this deep sense of connection and community. All my books are, and my writing is kind of based around that. And that comes from me being in the United States. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Canadian Prana is. I have no idea what this identity is. And it's really scary to figure out how to go there. Whereas, yes, you could argue that when I came to the U.S. it was the same thing, but it really wasn't because I had studied to come to college here. I got a scholarship. I was like obsessed with coming to the United States and, and doing well here. Well, and you had a place. You had a reason to come here, right? Which was I came here university. for university, but, and yes, I wanted to go to, you know, university and study here, but I also just wanted to live in the U.S. Like, America does a great job of selling itself abroad, maybe less so now, but 10 plus years ago, it did a great job of selling itself abroad. And so it just felt so natural. And and this feels like it kind of like it feels like I was running towards something when I came to the U.S. And now it feels like I'm running away from something. And that feels scary. <laughs> OK, close your eyes. You're 45. You have lived in Canada for 15 years. You have a window 
that you love to stare out of because every once in a while a moose walks by. You have a reading chair that you love in like a tea situation. And I'm going to let you fill in all the downsides of like you miss certain friends. You're not able to see them as much as you want. But now you kind of can. You have a passport. But you have a, you have a community in Canada in 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's 15 years from now in the United States. You are working in tech. You're still waiting for your green card. You have published a book, but it's been really messy and expensive. Are you still like, yeah, but fuck it all. I want to be in the U.S.? Canada, like, feels so much better. But my gut says I should try to figure out a way to be here. Even if it's going to be really messy and difficult. Like, my gut says I should try to make it work. Like, I should try. Like, I I used to live in D.C. before I moved to New York and work in political tech. And there's someone that I met who worked in the political space. Um, he was a Black man. And I was talking to him about these issues in, in the aftermath of 2016. And he, something he said came back to me as you were talking, which is, you have as much right to be in this country as anybody else. Mm-hmm. I've done nothing wrong coming here. And I think what I'm frustrated about is that the political debate talks about people being good and bad immigrants. And I think that is nonsense. But if we were to use that definition, I am a quote unquote good immigrant. Totally. And it's frustrating that it's so hard for me to stay in this country when the country's leadership says, this is the kind of person we want. So I can't even imagine how hard it is for someone who is, quote unquote, not wanted, you know? But we all have just as much of a right to be here. And as a writer of books and what attracted me to the U.S. was the sense of, like, you will fight for what's right and what what matters. And it feels like I don't want to give up. Like, you know, I don't want to run away. And... So that's what my gut is saying. My brain, on the other hand, is like, screw all of that. Look out for yourself and move towards stability. Yeah. I mean, I really just don't feel comfortable giving advice at the end of this, right? Like only you know your tolerance for this type of instability. What I want to say, and I think that this applies to either solution, is that I do think you're younger than you feel like you are. I think you have a lot of life ahead of you. And this is not the same because I moved to Massachusetts for school, but like when I was 30, I started a new career, right? Like, and moved to a new state. And like, I had a place immediately because I was in a grad school program. But like, I moved here for three years and now I'm going to live here for at least 20. And Massachusetts has become my home. And again, the stakes are totally different. I'm just saying that sitting from the place of 41, 30 is younger than it feels. And I just want you to believe me on that. No matter what you pick, it's a 50-year decision. You lived here for 12, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because I think especially women are told that, you know, once you turn 30, it's like your time, like there's a timeline and you have to think about it. And I, I appreciate you saying that because it makes me feel like, I think what, what was stressing me out at the beginning of this call and for a long time was the sense of any decision I make feels extremely permanent. Mm-hmm. And I think just knowing that it doesn't have to be permanent yeah. is a relief. Like I could come back to the U.S. in a few years if I really wanted to, or maybe I've built a great life in Canada and I don't want to leave at all, but I'd still have the freedom to visit when I wanted to. And I think just knowing that there's no decision that's permanent is really, is actually a big yeah. relief because it's going to actually help me make the decision that's right for me instead of a decision that's based on like fear. And the other thing I want to say is just like that feeling of the world is actually set up for people like me and even I can't make it. The level of like isolation and frustration and like feeling like this system is deeply not built for me. I don't know. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry that that's how the system is making you feel. And it, not just making you feel. Like it, it, it is. That is, the, that is how the system is set up. And that is inhumane. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I, I also really want to acknowledge in this moment that, yes, the situation I'm in is really hard and it sucks. But... It, I am still privileged compared to a no, lot of, of immigrants in this country who are undocumented, who probably live in greater fear than I do and more instability. And I just, you know, you mentioned anything could happen. I think the optimist in me is like, hey, maybe Congress will get its shit together and actually like fix our broken immigration system. And I can maybe hold that out as like a pipe dream. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think it's it is deeply comforting to know that nothing in life is permanent. It is deeply scary, but it is also deeply comforting because then no decision feels like it's it's the final decision to make. Okay. So what's the plan? The plan for now is to remain in the United States at least for this year and see where things go. But I think I'm going to make another trip to Canada and see some friends there and actually take a moment to see what my life there could be like. Because last time I went, I was just visiting. So it would be nice to go there and actually see if I can imagine what my life there would be like. And maybe that'll help me make a more solid decision one way or another. Oh my God, stare out of a window holding a cup of tea for like 20 minutes in Canada. Be like, could this be my life? I also actually want to see what happens with my book. Yeah. If there's a chance that my book goes out, I'm working with an agent on it and I'm very, very excited about it because I love writing romance and I love Pride and Prejudice. And uh, I want to actually see where where my writing takes me in the United States. Oh, it's going to take you good places. I'm so excited about your book. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Prerna. Thank you for having me on. I know this was a very convoluted topic, so I appreciate you all taking the time to work through it with me. I just really think you're going to fall in love with someone in the U.S., and I know that that I'm going to stop saying that. You know, Vanessa, if my mom was here right now, she would be, like, so happy to hear you say that, because that is her pipe dream. 
I don't think you're going to, like, compromise and meet, you know, like, and that we shouldn't have to count on that. That's, like, horseshit. But, I mean, it happens to the main character in my book, so. This is what I'm know. saying. You know what? I've been hearing that a lot lately, so maybe this book is a very, very, very long job of manifestation for that, so we'll see. <laughs> You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is funded 99.999% through our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. If you listen to this within one week of it coming out, I invite you to support us on Patreon so that we can keep making the show that we love making. Another way that you could support the show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to my voice right now. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and Twitter at The Real Q Pod. We love to shout out our BFF tier patrons Molly Reilly, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Shannon Sheehan, and Renee Underhill. We are a Not Sorry Production. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister. We are edited and produced by the great and good Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Bull, and we are distributed by ACAST. A huge thanks to the wonderful Prerna for joining us today. And thanks as always to our fantastic team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Yaramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Wilson, Courtney Brown, Natalie Folkerts, Casper Turkyle, and Stephanie Paulsell. Hi, listeners. This is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith Tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates, and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit building, learning, and community. Head to notsorryworks.com for more information. And be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's notsoryworks.com.